Hello, Philippe. Hello, Philippe. Hi. This is Philippe. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm sorry. I'm running a little late. I'm really apologize. I had another call before. Um, uh, I, I'll turn my video on. I'll tell you something. I think it's fashionable still to be 10 minutes late. Okay. I'm 12 minutes late, so I, I'm, I, I missed a fashion trend. No, I think you're, you're even leading it further. You're pushing further. Oh, I see. Oh, well, I'm glad you're happy because I was not happy with myself. I don't like to be late. I'm a punctual person. And I think that punctuality is the, is the politeness of, of, of all people. Well, let me just state on the record, I've always found you to be a polite person. I'm going to jump right into the discussion, if you don't mind. I, I want... Tell me when you're starting to record this thing, because I'm eating my, my lunch. I haven't had time for lunch. You're so funny. I'm going to record it um, starting now, and I will uh, do a little start intro. So okay. get it. You're, no, you're beautiful. And I will tell you also, um, I'm recording, but I'm only going to do the audio portion. Oh, you're only going to do the audio. Okay. Yeah, but I like to see your face when I'm talking, and it's been too yeah. long. So, Philippe. Okay. Welcome to the look back. This is the COVID quarantine podcast that's uh, keeping me sane over the last year or two and allowing me to connect with some people I haven't spoken to in far too long. Oh, great, great. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm happy we're connecting. Yeah, I want to take you back to when I first met you. And I think it was in the early 80s at the West Coast Computer Fair. I mentioned it to you in the note I just said, saying I... I, I mean, you were one of the first entrepreneurs I met. I'm walking through this thing called the computer fair where there are, you know, uh, hundreds of little companies in San Francisco. I think we were at the, no, not the Moscone. It was something before the Moscone. Well, it, was, it was 1983. It, I had just arrived in America. Yeah. I have no idea what I was doing. Same. Uh, I, I have no idea what I was doing. And... Um, Jim Warren, I think, who ran the uh, yes. West Coast, gave me a booth and let me let me in, um, and, and and that's that that's what happened, and and that's how I got there. I had no idea what I was doing, but it was great. It worked out great, actually. They they handed me a reporter's notebook. They said, "Go talk to some companies, find out what's going on, who's doing some interesting things." And I saw somebody who was wandering around. He, I think, you had like a stack of your. It looked like like mini booklets, maybe that were your compiler tools. That uh, uh, am I am I close? We had two products. Yeah, we had a product called Sidekick, which was a windowing system for DOS. Right. Failed, uh, and we had a, a a compiler called Turbo Pascal. Right. Right. And those became two famous. Products, and those I had a little famous. booth. I mean, it's a funny story. And I had a little booth, and I um. I didn't have anyone, so I already lived in Santa Cruz. Yeah. This is San Francisco. And so I went into a surf shop in Santa Cruz and tried to, I needed people to man the booth. So I, you know, I, I found three lady surfers uh, to come and man my booth. Yeah. And, uh, and, and these ladies manned my booth and they were ahead because they, they were, 
you know. It was the 80s, looking, baby. It was attractive the 80s. Looking, attractive looking girls, and they were very smart. Yeah. And, and, and all the, all the, it was a geek fest, and all the geeks loved them. Right. And, and they were really smart, and, and it worked out great. You know, they, they uh, so that, that's how we did it. I had no money, I had no resources, but uh, they, they liked it. They got, a, they got a weekend in San Francisco out of that, and uh, got a, you know, uh, that, that's how we started, uh, we, we started work. And so one, one was called Teresa Zimbauer, and uh, she had a she had a boyfriend, I think, who 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 wrote who was a journalist, locally in Santa Cruz, called Tom Brezhny, and he wrote us up. Yeah, and he wrote a, and he was kind of a funny journalist, and and that kind of started the whole trend. That's fantastic. I was a journalist for CRN at the time, and I wrote a story about you. It was probably not that famous at the time because one I was just kind of getting my own you know grounding on what it meant to be a tech reporter and journalist and I didn't know what Turbo Pascal and compilers were and and all that good stuff but those products sustained those were your hits at, at when you were running Borland oh yeah and we, we started a company that way without any resources without venture capital yeah and we um we did the opposite of what people thought. We started selling direct to end users, yeah. which was really new. And, and so we sell, you know, direct and sold them for $49.95 at the time, which was, you know, really different because Microsoft had a Pascal compiler and digital research had one, but they were selling for $600. And we were ahead. And, 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 and both Sidekick and Pascal was ahead. I'm not sure that people at Computer Retail News liked us much because we were selling direct, and that was. We love a story, you know. Journalism, we just want the story. I don't care if you're selling yeah. for well, you, 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 you cared, <laughs> but but your 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 advertising sales guy didn't think. But uh, <laughs> that show, somebody really important showed up, and it's really funny because his name was Jerry Pornell, and mm -hmm. Jerry Pornell, you probably knew him as a writer for Byte Magazine. I did know him. I knew his son too. But I exactly Alex. But at the time, I'm not sure Alex was born. But yeah, or barely born. And and so Jerry was actually one of you know I, I was a big science fiction buff. And Jerry and Larry Niven wrote lots of books that I really liked. And and I I was starstruck when he came to the booth. Uh. And and you know wow you know this is Jerry Pornell the guy who who wrote all those books that I really like. And so, so we, we, we hit it off. And in fact, he invited me to his house. And he said, he says, uh, he told me, uh, you teach me how to program. So I, I actually taught Jerry how to, how to write code. And he started writing me up in the back to back magazine. And that started a company because we didn't have any money to run any ads or do anything else. And he, he, he wrote us up and he wrote Turbo Pascal up and and I was, uh, you know, I lived a little bit in his, on his couch at the time. Uh, in you were a couch surfer before you became a real surfer. Uh, what's that? You were a couch surfer. <laughs> so in Studio City, exactly. Uh, and, and I taught him how to dig and he, he was really excited and he started writing code and that was a big deal for him. And, and, and I, I'm not, you know, I occupied his couch a little bit and, and and that was uh, 
that was really important. Shortly thereafter, actually, I occupied somebody else's couch, um, uh, which, which was in Silicon Valley. Um, I think it was after after Jerry, uh, who was really interested in, in, in the sidekick, uh, you know, windowing system that we built, which became very popular. We sold millions of copies of that because that was DOS, and you know, we're doing windows and multitasking basically using terminate state resident program on on DOS, and that was Larry Magid, who was writing for a whole bunch of people, and he lives in Palo Alto, still lives in the same house, and I've been uh, there. <laughs> I, I, I remember debugging code all night and working on making things work for Larry and his wife Patty. Yeah. Um, all night and 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 crashing on his couch and having Patty, you know, bring breakfast in the morning, and that was my my beginning. So I surfed basically two couches and and Jerry's and and, and Larry and I think Larry remembers that and it's. Uh, those were interesting days because I had new resources. All I knew how to do is, is you know, I'm I'm a mathematician, I'm a software guy, and I had a team of fantastic software guys working with me, young guys, but nobody was paid. So we were all had different jobs or doing different things. I had moved from France and I left everything behind me. And and so this was kind of a glory days, I would say, but it was uh it was uh it was kind of living on the edge because you never knew what was going to pay the next bill and but very rapidly everything became a success and the problem wasn't paying the next bill it became well we have a, we have orders coming in we better fulfill them because you know there it's it's a good problem to have but now suddenly we have to at the time you had to copy diskettes you have to make manuals you had to do that and wow how do we do that and so i it was really i had no idea how to do that but there was a Japanese restaurant at the time where I used to go to and like to have. I befriended the the the. Uh, I had befriended the owner of the restaurant, and he had a he had a mail order salad uh, sesame salad dressing business that he sold. He said, I mean, you know, so he sold the mail order, and his name was Spencer Ozawa. And um, I, I asked Spencer, "How do you do that?" And so we we got to know each other. And he said, oh, if I can do salad uh, dressing, I can do your diskettes and all that. And so he became our VP operations and turned, you know, his his uh, his uh, his salad dressing business into uh, a software diskette and manual business. And he was really good at it. I mean, you know, running a restaurant and running a salad dressing business is is hard operational work. And you know, making diskettes and manuals is not much different. You know, there's no technology there except, you know, running something that makes sense. So that was how it, that, that's how, how that happened. So we connected and uh, Spencer stayed with the team until we, we had a public offering uh, and, and, and we went public. And when we went public, uh, you know, we, we brought in a different uh, VP operations because he wanted to retire. Yeah. You know, he had just bought his Ferrari F40 or something, and, <laughs> and whichever it was. And and Spencer says, you know, I've, I've worked all my life in my restaurant and all that, and now I'm going to retire. Now he's happily retired and did great. And, yeah. And, and so he helped build the business for about four years in there, and and that was that was that 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 was that was that. That is so cool. I mean, we go from couch surfing to salad dressing to IPOs and Ferraris. 
Well, I didn't never had a Ferrari. I'm not into cars and a lot. You have a boat. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of the guy who who built all that. A lot of people had those kind of financial successes, the Ferraris and all that. But myself, I'm not too interested in material possessions. I'm much more interested in doing things that's fascinating, that's interesting, and innovation, invention. That that kind of what drives me. You know, the rest. You know, I I always tell people you don't take it with you or you don't. What are you going to do? I get bored, you know. Well, I'm not going to drive a car forever. That's not of interest to me. But, but I had a lot of people who who who've been very successful with that. And That's great. Spencer was one of them, and many others. Yeah. When when you look back on your career, Philippe, when did you know that you were really an entrepreneur at heart? I know you've you're a mathematician, you're technology, and all those other things. But at your heart, and I I picked this up as soon as I met you. You're an entrepreneur. You show up at the show. Uh, uh, like, I still don't know. Yeah. I still think of myself as, as a technology inventor, someone who, yeah. you know, I, I file patents, I do that. Uh, I, I, the, way I, the way I tell people is, is, I don't know what an entrepreneur is, but I know. So, so there's different, different, different ways of people who start companies. You can start a company with a wonderful idea and a wonderful vision and say build something such as Twitter or maybe Netflix. And there's no core new dimension of it, except a very operational, you know, amazing stuff, but it's really an execution from a marketing standpoint and a sales standpoint. Uh, I don't know how to do that. I'm not that kind of guy. Uh, in fact, uh, I know how to look at a vision, for example, what we're doing at Full Power today, which is, you know, uh, non-invasive AI-powered biosensing is going to be a big deal, change medicine, change a lot of stuff. And that's my vision. I need to make a technology platform that's unique, that takes us somewhere else, and that allows to enable some new therapy, some help people be healthier. Maybe better sleep if someone has tinnitus, help them manage that. If someone has apnea, help them manage that, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that I, that I know how to do, and that's what I do. I don't consider myself an entrepreneur. I consider myself a builder, developer, thinker of technology. And I bring people around me who, who are great team players and who are really interested in building the infrastructure around the company. But I always make sure that what I do stays focused on that. And, and when, when things like, for example, in the case of Borland, we're very successful, and then I, I came to a point where in 1993, the the internet, the web, actually the web came and I wanted to build web stuff. And at the time we were a public company and all that, we were successful and all that and competing with Microsoft and, and IBM and other people. And I went, I want to do web stuff. I want to do the next generation web tools. I want to do synchronization. I want to do, you know, all these wireless devices were coming out. And I came to a disagreement with with, with the board, actually a strong disagreement because, you know, I said, I really don't want to do more of what we're doing here. I've been doing it for 10 years or 12 years. I want the next stuff is the web stuff. And so that's when, you know, I, I left the company and I don't know if I left or they made me left it, uh, whatever, or write it, whatever. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and, you know, I, I and, and, and I started a new company uh, that, that was called Starfish. And where we focused on exactly that, you know, the, the, you know, the, the integration of, of, of 
wireless and wireline devices and be able to, to have this ubiquitous, transparent network of devices, what people call IoT here, but that was 1994. And, and that was really, you know, today it's called the Internet of Things, but this is really what we do. And we were very successful with the company. In fact, the company had acquired very successfully by Motorola at, at a time where we were about to do an IPO. And, and that, was, that, was, that was that. And, and you know, if you think about what Starfish was doing is what really IoT and that put Motorola into, into kind of that, that business at the time. And that's when in 1997, we thought about, well, the next thing is going to put, be put you know, sensors and phones. And, and, and so being around Motorola that you know, that triggered the, the first camera phone and that allowed us to do that. And again, that was a technology thing that we did at the time, which wasn't obvious to do because um, it wasn't obvious to do because nobody had done it. And, you know, even the senior Motorola execs at the time were going, why would anyone would do that? A phone is made to, is made to make phone calls. And I said, well, that's today's phone, but you know, think about, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. So if your phone can do pictures and video and all that stuff, that's really great. And so we worked that out. And, and actually, I work in collaboration with Motorola at the time. But, you know, it, for them, it didn't work out because they were really focused on voice. And, and we ended up making, make, making a deal and the company got acquired again successfully, which allowed us to start my present company today, which is my fourth company, which is... Um, um, which is um, full power AI, which, you know, we started in 2005 doing AI at a time where people had no idea what AI was. Yeah, right. in fact, you know, I have this, this funny anecdote where I was talking to, to, to people who were interested in what we're doing. And I was talking about AI, 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 and I thought, you know, artificial intelligence, you know, we were all doing that with Lisp and all that uh, back, back in the days. And, and I realized at the end of the conversation that, People thought we were in the agricultural business, that it was about, you know, artificial insemination of cows. And, and that's what AI meant for a lot of people at the time. And I, no, 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 no. What we're doing is we're using data to predict what's going to happen next. Oh, and that's what you call AI. Yeah, the prediction of what's going to happen next. Use, you know, use the data, the, 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 the big data, the, the system that you have, to try to predict what's going to happen next in the system. And that was very foreign to people. And in fact, it's very foreign to a lot of people still. They, they have misunderstandings. They, they, they think that, that AI is about replacing humans. It's really not about that. It's about you know, creating more intelligent systems. Like, can, can the system forecast when your, your dishwasher is going to fail? Can the system forecast when, uh, uh, if and when uh, the the a pedestrian is going to cross in front of your self-driving car so and, it sounds like a little and, bit of a fusion of ai and iot oh absolutely it's and that's a lot of what we do is that ai basically is is not just about happening directly in the it you know in the metaverse for example yes you can you can create this, you can create, AI is about, is about bringing intelligence to inanimated objects that can predict, you know, what's going to happen next. I mean, look, a perfect example is, 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 uh, 
uh, one of those Roomba or these, uh, um, you know, um, uh, the vacuum vacuum cleaners. Uh, you know, the, the first generation were great, but if you had a cat and let, or a dog who let some poo-poo in the middle of that, the thing went over and it was absolutely disaster to clean. It was horrible. Well, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest advance on AI for these guys is to predict that this is probably some poo and go around it. Well, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big deal if you own one and you have a cat or a dog, because eventually that'll happen. And yeah, and, and and so that's like, what's that massive stack? Is that, you know, can you sense that? Can, and and then what's the level of false positive, false negatives? I mean, are you going to catch them all or not? And do you need a smell sensor? Probably not, or not yet. And can you do that with cameras only? And 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 can you classify all the kinds of poos, the big ones, the diarrhea ones, the, you know, and, and sorry, it's, it gets into details. Yeah. But that's, what, <laughs> that's what it's all about. And then forecasting what happens and knowing that, Oh, geez, if you can get into that and you turn right, there's a wall there. So I can't turn right. I'm going to hit it anyway. Therefore, I have, you know, so the, the, the AI has to be pretty smart predicting and, and making things happen. That's crazy. How do you come up with this idea? Like the, the, the full, like you don't wake up, roll out of bed and go, I got to start a new company. How does this develop? You know, it doesn't. I never think about starting a new company. I think about solving a problem, a technology, difficult technology problem okay. yeah. that is interesting to me. Like, for example, in the case of Full Power, uh, I thought about solving the problem of better sleep and, and what is sleep. You know, sleep is a third of people's lives. It's really, it's really a better time. And Nobody knows what happens. Like people die in their sleep and nobody knows what happened or what happened two hours before, an hour before. Is there something that happened? Uh, people who may have a, 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 a chronic condition uh, like apnea or um, um, diabetes or hypertension or you know, risk of stroke, whatever it is, nobody knows you know, during those eight hours, a third of your life, what really happens. And you know, uh, we looked at wearables and we built some for, for different companies, but people don't like to wear those. You want something invisible. Basically, my vision is that technology should be invisible, transparent, and, and, and work in the background and do stuff for you and predict things and help you predict things. I mean, I can't say that we can predict that you're going to die in your bed if you're about to die during the night, but mm. my point, that's an extreme case. But you know, if, if, if you monitor people's sleep over time and, and you could see those longitudinal changes over time, and you happen to see that, and you can see that there's a trend that you could predict will turn into diabetes, or you can predict that, you know, the machine learning system can do that, then you got something because um, basically uh, prevention is always better than having to apply a cure yeah. if you can. I mean, you know, of course, you know, a cure, you can, you can take metaphor. Well, that's expensive too. <laughs> well, yeah, long-term and, and better for people's health, because if you can, you can stop people, you could stop, you know, uh, pre-diabetes developing into diabetes, because a lot of people have pre-diabetes. They don't yeah. know they do. And, 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 and they're not, they're, they're not conscious of that. And, it's not clear what they do. And so um, so if we can do stuff like that, that's great. And so 
that's really what drives me as yeah. opposed to say i'm going to make a lot of money i always tell people if you want to make a lot of money if that's your only goal um then you should get a a, a machine that that makes money you know prints money in your basement and make fake notes but i the way i see it if you build something that really helps people um then as a consequence you'll make money but my goal is not just to make money you know just you know uh be just just make money make money i mean i understand that you know that works for for many people but that's not what drives me yeah let me let me do a slight pivot off of that though let's say philippe we're taking a look at um i want to say uh, capitalism or uh, entrepreneurism um do you feel like it's going in the right direction are people leveraging um universities the right way technologies in the right way to build businesses in the right way are we getting better um crop of entrepreneurs today um to take on the problems that are necessary or are we looking at a crop of entrepreneurs or a generation of entrepreneurs that are just looking at money and um you know silly things and 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 it, avoiding or ignoring some of the major uh realities that we face today whether it's climate change and um you know the energy infrastructure and things like that well i believe in progress and i know a lot of people don't but i believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today so in general i think things are getting better for the human condition although the planet itself health is probably getting worse but in general uh for most people on the planet things improve a little bit uh not everywhere i mean um but you're right there's uh, a lot of the there there is a group and led by a lot of investors that's only focused on one thing making money making money that's their only goal and and um i think that that's perfectly fine for them to do but i also think there's there's i i meet a lot of people who are really interested in solving more challenging problems and that's really uh that's really uh that's really what is that oh okay i get some tea here <laughs> i got some too cheers so so um so the the um the um i i, I think the um it's always a challenge and and um i've got kids <laughs> in fact i also have a few grandkids very young but still yeah. and Beautiful. and i were you know i worry for them in, in many ways i mean my kids are very productive they're all involved in helping change the world and make a better world i'm lucky with that um but um you know i'm i'm worried for two generations down the line because you know trying to make a fortune with bitcoins and selling and buying nfts and all that stuff is not doing anything for solving these problems and yeah a lot of people focus on that kind of stuff you know how could i make my fortune with nfts or whatever it is which is fine you know you have a you have all these you know there's a whole ecosystem of people from from the guys who produce you know uh uh a small little pixel system that looked like a icon uh in 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 1983 they get 
bid it up uh, with auction houses and uh, to millions of dollars and all that. And it's just like, there, there's not even a, a message in there, you know, there's not even, uh, you know, at least when Picasso painted Guernica, uh, there's a message there, you know, the, <laughs> the, the monster that feeds itself and all that. Yeah. And there, you know, you have a monkey with a propeller head that sells for $8 million and you go, okay. Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and, but it is what it is. And, and so there's a whole world there. Um, and I think there's a, a different world that's much more, that has much more conscious for the future. And, you know, people talk about, you know, millennials and, 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 and Generation Z. And I think they're, they're actually a lot very conscious of that. There's a group, yeah, who does the NFT stuff because that's part of that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, the Bitcoin stuff and just watch Bitcoins and tries to make money every day on it. But, but there's a whole generation that's really looking at that and saying, Hey, we got to do something better. And I'm very optimistic. I, I, I almost get better with that generation than, than my generation. No, I, I, you know what, I have a couple of those millennials and uh, gens in my family too. And I know exactly what you mean. I have concern, but I have optimism the way they view the world. Is it, it seems like a cleaner way than we do. However, I don't know if they're going to see the amount of, of craziness that we've seen over our uh, era from 60s, 70s, 80s, and, uh, you know, <laughs> DOS and technology from rotary phones to where we're at today with mobile phones. It's amazing. But, but well, there's a lot of, they, they, so that, that's it. The technology can be a facilitator or a trap. Uh, if, if the goal of, of, of technology is to lock people in, in, in Halo 24-7, Halo being the game on, on, yeah. on, on, on Microsoft <laughs> Xbox or whichever it is, is that to have people just locked up into, in front of a screen or with, with a virtual reality glasses, whatever it is, that's the role of technology. I understand that's entertainment, but we want to turn that into making a better world. And that's really, really the key. Um, you know, um, the, the, it, it's true for all sides of things, you know, uh, electric cars are not going to make a better world. Uh, that's not going to, they're going to help maybe, but, but the better world has to come from a broader conscious, you know, um, that's just as simple as that. And, and we have to understand why we're doing things. If we, if we go to the moon um, and, and walk on the moon again, which I hope we will from a, from a technology standpoint, we have to understand why we're doing that and how that's going to help the planet. And it's not just going to be some kind of business enterprise where you know, space is a way to make money and, and therefore it's okay. Um, and I think that that it's really important that that you know uh, our planet is in danger. The future of mankind is clearly in danger. You see that every day. Um, you have to, and and we can't just say you know um, uh, you know uh, it's okay to 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 create a business where you know people take pay five million dollars for a joy ride to the edge of space. I mean that's fine, but. It's not exactly what we want in the future. We want, 
we want to make sure that there's a reason for that and and we're serious about that now if the reason is that we want to colonize space because we have to get out of the planet and and it's time to do that i understand that but then we really have to focus on that and explain that to the world and do that and i totally support that uh, but i just want to make sure that that whatever we do myself for the future of my kids my grandkids my great-grandkids whoever it is that that we're doing something that's meaningful and that's going to make a difference because you know i'm going to be okay because uh, you know the world's not going to disappear during my lifetime but that's not good enough right you we, we you know i <laughs> i don't know maybe it's old-fashioned but my mom used to tell me if if someone loans you something you give it back and better state than you and you got it well i feel that it's kind of the same thing with the planet and we're not doing that right now and it's getting worse and worse since so anyway i i'm rambling a little bit but this is really to me very important no i share with that with you that's why i brought it up too hey listen i've taken enough of your time i just wanted to check in it, it sounds like you are doing great it's the same spirit and energy when i met you at the west coast computer fair and that's why I wanted to just say hi and 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 see what you were up to. I was great. I'm you know I'm I'm about improving everybody's sleep right now. You know that's not great. In fact, you could see a lot of uh, a lot of the studies we do at, at uh, sleeptracker.com. You'll find tens of visual studies that may help anyone look at their sleep and you know what happens to your sleep when during uh, and your health during the holidays. What happens on weekends? What you know what percentage of people actually get apnea but don't know it and all that there's there's visuals that we we share with people that come from the data you know the years of data that we've collected in the ai tools that we have that i think could be very useful to about anyone in fact someone suggested we make a, a coffee table book out of it but that exists already it's on the web it's at sleeptracker.com and people can look at it you don't have to buy anything you have to use anything you can just look at what's happening uh with with your sleep potentially and your partner's sleep and you know does uh, if you snore how much do you impact your your partner's sleep and is that good is that bad is that you know if uh, you sleep with a pet is that better for you or worse i and think that's really i think you've made this a bigger topic lately too because more people are discussing sleep and wellness and apnea and mental health and i think they're all related right I'm, they're all correlated. That's that, that that's absolutely right. You know, and and there's 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 a lot of 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 preconceived notions. For example, if you go to a traditional sleep medicine person and you said I sleep with my pet, they'll say no, 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 don't sleep with your pet. That disrupts you. Well, the reality of it that when you do search uh, and, and and when you use machine learning to look at very large data sets, we look at 250 million nights of sleep, and lots of like. You find that, yes, there's a disrupting effect, but there's a massive positive effect of the, the psychological, the feeling better about the sleep and all that, having a pet there and feeling the pet there. And that psychological, that, that emotional support that you get during sleep is very important because one of the worst things for, for work, life is stress. And, and one of the most best things you can have in your life is a, is a great dog because that's the best thing. And people don't realize it. So on one side, you have some science that says, you know, don't sleep with your pet, that's their driver, they'll wake you up. And there's another side that says, well, the studies show that 
your sleep and your life and your overall health improve if you sleep with your pet. And so that's a very interesting thing where people have to decide for themselves what's better for them. <laughs> that's great. Lee, what a wonderful time talking with you. And it's amazing to see all the different areas we can cover in a very short time and that you're uh, fluent in. I, I wish you a lot of success with full power. It sounds great. I'm going to look a little bit deeper into it myself. Well, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for having me. You bet. It's been great having you on the look back. And what a fun look back over a great career. Philippe Kahn, great catching up. I love Santa Cruz, too. I hope I see you over there one of these days. I live on the harbor right there. Where you see on that video is the view from my house. I love it. And there's that great little restaurant right on the water. What's it called? The uh... Aldo's. Yeah. Aldo's. Oh, fantastic. You have Aldo's and then you have the crow's nest on the other crow's side. Crow's nest, yeah. A little too crowded for me on weekends, but uh, fun to get over there. Yeah, just uh, give, me a, give me a buzz if you're around. That's where you're we live. Beautiful. You're beautiful. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Take care.